to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California and Fury. What a joy, what an honor, what a privilege to be with you all once again. And right here, right now, everybody, this is a joy and honor and a privilege right now because I'm speaking to the reason that I became a wrestling fan in the first place. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. I've said it many times. When I was 11 years old, my dad left me a home alone one night and what do you know? On Channel 10, free-to-air TV, they aired Survivor Series 1998. I didn't know anything about real wrestling, really, but I tell you what, when I watched that pay-per-view, I knew who was who by the end of the show. I know what was what. I knew what was going on. I was brought right up to speed, and I was hooked. So right here, right now, this is an honor for me to introduce that man right here. That was the reason that this all happened. The one, the only, the most successful writer in the history of the wrestling business the biggest ratings ever no one's still beating it the one the only vince russo how are you sir bro did you call me a raisin during that uh during that introduction i think you, did you refer to me as a raisin i don't believe so okay maybe you said you were rate you were raised i thought you called me a raisin there, i said person. the highest ratings of all ah, ratings yeah and let me tell you something uh, mr california Nobody will top those ratings. And let me, can I tell you why nobody will top those ratings? I'll give you That's a simple right. explanation. I'll give you a simple e explanation. Because since those ratings, bro, nobody has cared about that show as much as Ed Ferrara and myself did. We cared about that show, bro. Our name was on that show. And we we bled, bro. We wept. We we sweated over those shows. They don't do that anymore, bro. You know, today they're writing the show a couple of hours before the show, and oh my god, bro! No, nobody worked harder on those shows than Ed and I did, and I doubt that anybody ever will, bro. I agree, one hundred percent. You can tell in the effort that's being put forth. You know, back in the day, it was a it was a thinking man's show, as you've said many times before. Yes, That's yes. what I miss about it so much, Vince, is that it was a thinking man's show. And I've learned all about it in Forgiven. I've learned all about it in Rope oh, Opera right nice. there, bro. Very uh, nice. <laughs> right. This is an honor for me. And and you're right. And and I, I as I said before, uh, 11 years old, I saw Survivor Series 1998. I was hooked. And I'll tell you this before I start with my line of questioning. Uh, every week when I watched Roy's War, I was this was the event of the week. I would tape it on VHS and watch it several times through the week. But I would watch this thing. Going to the toilet was a problem. I had to wait until the show was over just in case I missed anything. I even had a problem with blinking, Vince. And and <laughs> I, I honestly, when right at the end of the show, when that little logo at the bottom corner pops up saying, you know, all rights reserved, I knew that the show was about to go off the air. And I was like, no, no, don't tell me. I have to wait another week to find out what happens next. 
But bro, I've, you gotta understand. We wrote it for people like you. We bro, listen. He here's the way I looked at it. Every I don't care who you are, bro. Who you are, your time is valuable. And and how you spend your time, you make a decision of how you want to spend your time. So I look at everybody's time as being very valuable. Bro, if I want you to watch this show, I've got to earn it. I've got to earn it. And 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 that that's how we wrote the show. We wanted to earn your viewership. This show had to be good enough for you to decide Monday night for two hours, I'm watching this show. We didn't fool around with that, bro. It, it was very, very serious to us. And it should be serious. It should be like that because, you know, when I watch something like The Walking Dead, when I watch something like Breaking Bad, when an episode ends, I'm like, I got to know what happens next. And luckily, sometimes they, they put these things out, you know, on, on Netflix, et cetera, where you can just, like Yellowstone, you can just watch a whole mm. bunch of them in a row. Um, but, like, when you have to wait for another week, yeah. I don't feel I don't think any wrestling fan today, no matter how much they love AEW, how much they love WWE, I doubt that they at the end of the show go, Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait another Bro, week. When you when you when you think about it and, and I talk to you about, you know, like the art of writing a show, like this is one of the things that drives me crazy. Bro, you can't even give us a cliffhanger. Like, is, is it that difficult to come up with a cliffhanger? That, that, that's the part, bro, that really pisses me off. Br give me a reason to watch next week, bro. Give me some kind of a cliffhanger. I mean, bro, you just rattled off some great shows, and I watch all those shows that you rattled off. Something happens at the end of the show, and you're sitting there like, oh, bro, you got to be freaking kidding me. Why is it so difficult for WWE and AEW to give you a cliffhanger? What is so hard about that, bro? I don't know. What is so hard about giving us a hook going into commercial break to make sure that we come back? It's... Bro, there's I, the, here's, here's the thing, California. And people don't want to hear this, and I don't care what they want to hear. You name some great television shows. Bro, there is an art to writing a television show. It is an art. You can't just write it. Who, who taught Tony Khan how to write a television show? Exactly. You just can't write a television show. Bro, do you know how ridiculous that is? That, that's like, bro, what's the big sport by you? Is it cricket or is it soccer? Uh, I believe this Australian rules football is a big sport. Okay, in bro, that th that's like you you deciding. Ah, oh, bro, you know what? Next week I'm going to be a big star in Australians in, in Australian league football. Bro, everybody thinks they can write TV like it's not difficult to do. Bro, there is an art to watching TV. And if you're watching the shows like you're watching, you know what I'm talking about, bro. You know what I'm talking about. 100% Vince, uh, you know, preaching to the choir right here. Um, and, and you know, I've heard what QT Marshall has said about their process, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about AEW's process and the way that they format their shows later. But Vince, I'm getting to my first question here, painstakingly thinking about questions that I haven't heard you answer 
on uh, on your own podcast and other shoot interviews. I wanted to bring up Vince McMahon to start off. This is the only time I'm going to ask about Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon is like a robot. He's not like normal people. He's He doesn't act like people do. He doesn't react to things like normal people do. But you spent a lot of time with him in his house. You were very close with him. I wanted to ask the most human moment that you ever witnessed of Vince McMahon in person. Bro, I got to tell you, man, it... it it, it, it kind of, it, it's sad in a way, bro. It's really sad in a way because it was kind of a coming to Jesus moment because I got to the moment, bro, where forget wrestling, forget the WWE, forget all that. As a person, bro, I came to a moment where I truly cared about Vince McMahon and his family. I truly cared about Vince, Shane, Linda, Stephanie back then was a totally different person. I truly cared about them. And I started asking myself the question, does Vince give a shit about me or am I just like the cash cow? I mean, on a personal level, does he give a shit about me? Does he give a shit about my family? You know, bro, Vince is never the, bro, he, bro, all the time I worked with him, the entire time, bro, never one time, Vince, how's your wife? How's your kids? Never once, never once. So I really started my asking myself the question, does this guy give a shit about me? And bro, I'll be honest with you, towards the end, I brought that up and I asked him, I said, you know, Vince, I really care about you and your family and what happens. And that's why I work very, very hard for your family. But I often wonder, are the feelings reciprocated? You know, and bro, I, I'll never forget this. It was him and I in his office and he looked at me and he said to me, I love you, Vince. Bro, it, the minute the words came out of his mouth, I knew he was absolutely full of shit. It was the most insincere that anybody could ever use those three words. And, and, and bro, I got, I, I got to the point of realizing, bro, this man, it, it's not that he hides his emotions or he covers up his emotions. I don't think he feels emotion because, bro, I never, ever had anybody say to me, I love you. And no, it was total bullshit, bro. So, bro, again, I don't, I don't even think it's, you know, he's a man's man. And, you know, v v Vince thinks like if you do certain things, it's a weakness. Like he told, he told Austin, uh, uh, Austin Theory a couple of weeks ago on TV, if you say you're sorry, it's a weakness. Vince believes that. Vin Vince believes if you sneeze, it's a weakness. So it's not that he's hiding up these emotions because it's weak. Bro, I don't know if he's capable of them. I really, really don't. Wow. Interesting stuff. Um, I wanted to now, because I want I wanted the first portion of this interview to be about relationships and people. Um, 
Over the course of your time working in the WWF and in TNA, when working with Jim Cornette, I don't want to hear any like a negative story. I just wanted to see if there was any time that you can pinpoint where you and Jim shared a nice moment, maybe maybe shared a laugh together about something. Is is there any moment in time where you and Jim got along about something? Bro, I, I got to be honest with you. It's very, it, it was very difficult because, bro, you got to understand from the get-go, like f- forget about me being Vince Russo and him being Jim Cornette. Bro, Jim hates people from the East. He, he hates New Yorkers. I, I mean, he hates people from the Northeast. He's a Southern guy and he detests people. So bro, right off the bat, like right off the bat, because of the way I talk, because of my accent, he doesn't like me. So like, where does it go from there, bro? It's, it, it was really, really a very strong prejudice towards people from the North, bro, you can't overcome that. And, you know, like, bro, I, I produced hundreds of Jim Cornette, uh, uh, vignettes, uh, you know, uh, in the back, I, I, I've been in hundreds of meetings with Jim Cornette. I sat at at Vince McMahon's house with Jim Cornette. I spent a lot of one-on-one time alone with Jim Cornette, but bro, when a guy doesn't like me because I'm a New Yorker and I've got an accent and I carry myself a certain way, when, when you know that prejudice is there, bro, that's really what racism is. If, 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 if I'm a white guy, and I really don't like black people, no matter what that person does, bro, nothing's going to change that, nothing. And bro, that's how it was from the start. So the fact that he has this idea about people from the Northeast, bro, it's impossible to overcome. So there can never be a friendship. There, There can never be you know, a bond because he just did not like people from the Northeast. Right. I just, cause you're a funny guy, Vince. I just thought there had to be at least one time where Vince Russo made Jim Cornette laugh. At least one bro, time. Jim Cornette used to make me laugh all the time, bro. The, uh, bro. I've said a million times. The guy is a genius, bro. I, the, the two people I worked with that I'm telling you, bro, their minds work like nobody else's. And what I mean by that, bro, is they're so quick-witted and they, they talk like as they're thinking, like it's unbelievable. And bro, the two guys I always point out are Jim Cornette and Dutch Mantel. Those two guys, the way they're wired, bro, I've never been around any two people like that. I got no problem putting the guy over. But bro, at the end of the day, he will never, ever, ever like anybody from the Northeast. Fair enough, Vince. Fair enough. Uh, again, relationships. Uh, you've again. I've, I've got to bring up now Eric Bischoff. Same kind of question that I asked about Jim. You know, was there a time at all where you two connected? Maybe after that first nitro that you had together, where you shook hands, maybe said, "Hey, good job," or whatever. Is, is was there ever a time where he wasn't being arrogant? You know, and and yeah. you two actually connected, bro. I swear, I'm in the midst of doing a a Vince versus Eric series on my Patreon, where I'm really, really, really breaking it down, and I'm really talking about my relationship from him, bro. You you got to understand, 
we were just two totally different people. And bro, you can't just take two totally different people with totally different upbringings and mindsets and morals. And you, and you just can't take two opposites, put them together and say, now go work. No, bro. It doesn't work that way. There's got to be some type of a chemistry. Eric and I, bro, were just two completely different people. Eric thrives on power. Eric likes people fearing him. Eric likes a lot of people being under him. I'm not that guy, bro. I'm the complete opposite. I don't want the freaking corner office. I don't want to be anybody's boss. I want to write the show and I want to get in the trenches, you know, with the talent going over that. That's how I am. So, you know, bro, listen, Hey, from a monetary point of view, bro, the way Eric conducted business obviously worked for He made a lot of money. He made a lot of money, bro, conducting business that way. I, I, I'm just a totally different person. So, bro, like I said, when you put these two strangers together, you know, bro, it, it's kind of like marrying somebody who's like just the complete opposite that you are and expecting to have a long marriage. No, bro, you're going to get divorced within the first year. So that's why, bro, like I don't even sit here and say, well, it's Eric's fault and Eric did. No, bro, that's got nothing to do with it. We were two totally different people that would have never, ever, bro, if we weren't, let me put it to you this way. If we weren't working together, we are two people that would have never been friends because we had nothing in common. Fair enough. I, I, I understand, bro. No problem. Uh, just, I just wanted to just see, but now I know that, and that's fair enough. Uh, the last person I wanted to ask about, you know, as far as a relationship is concerned, Shane McMahon, I, I know you and Shane are cool with one another. Shane tried to get you uh, on board a few years ago to no avail. Um, could you tell me a little bit about that situation? Some people, uh, wrestling fans from Australia, might not be aware of, of that situation with Shane. Yeah, no, bro. Listen, when I worked at the WWE and I started, I was writing for the magazine, so I was on the second floor, okay? Shane McMahon, who was just starting, like, the digital social media, that was just starting, and he was in charge of all that. He was a couple offices down from me. All the big shots were on the fourth floor. I didn't want to have any. See, that's how I am. I don't want to have nothing to do with the fourth floor. Leave me down here. But me and Shane were passing each other 18 times a day. Bro, this is a guy that busted his ass every day. And you knew, bro, a big part of it was he was forever trying to prove himself to his dad. And, bro, I'll tell you what. He was never going to live up to Vince's expectations ever because Vince, Vince expected Shane to be Vince and Shane's not Vince. Like, bro, I'll be honest with you. But let me put it to you this way. Shane's a family man. Shane loves his wife and loves his kids. And I bet you, bro, the reason Shane is that way is because he didn't get that as a child. So Shane was like, I'm not, I'm not going to repeat the mistakes of my father. My family's going to be first. Bro, the fact that Shane's family is first over the, over the WWE, 
Vince frowns, frowns upon that, bro, where those are his grandchildren. But those grandchildren should still be on the back burner. So things like that, bro, Shane would never live up to his dad's expectations ever, no matter how hard he tried, bro. And I, I always, I, I always call him a kid, but now he's a man. But I always loved him, bro. He hard worker, honest. I never saw an ego with Shane McMahon ever. There was, and he had every right to have an ego. Vince is his dad. Never, bro. And yeah, bro, he really tried to bring me back. Um, actually, it was, yeah, I almost went back in 2002. Then he tried to bring me back like a couple of years later. And, you know, Vince, Vince was just being Vince and it never happened. But um, I, I will always, always support Shane McMahon. Yeah, me too, Vince. And and I think what's happened to him recently, and you know, all the dirt sheets have been saying, you know, oh, he was a real menace back. When have we ever heard one thing Never. in 25 Never. years about Shane ever being a problem? I'm Never. sorry, that's bullshit. Um, getting away from the relationship uh, part of the uh, uh, interview here, uh, Vince, there was a couple of things I wanted to bring up, and these are two mysteries that I can't find out information on this first thing uh, and also the next thing. The first thing is uh, during your time in WCW, um, I haven't been able to find out much information. Most of the time I can find things somewhere like Guy Evans' Nitro book, et cetera, uh, talking with Scott Hudson or different producers like mm -hmm. I've had Christine Johnson on the show. Um, there's one thing I can't find information about. Uh, the May 15th Nitro, of 2000, Sid Vicious joined the New Blood uh, in uh, at the Mississippi Coast Coliseum in Biloxi, Mississippi. And then after that, he didn't show up for the rest of the angle uh, and he was brought back in like November to challenge Scott Steiner. I just want to know, do you know why Sid joined the New Blood and then never showed up again? Yeah, bro, the, on the only thing I could tell you is if you, listen, bro, I am a very... I follow through with stories. Uh, you know, you'll never see something start and stop with no reason unless there's an explanation. Bro, if you ever saw that while I was writing, that was 100% contract. That, that was money, contract negotiations that I had nothing to do with. You know, in that case, the WCW or J.J. Dillon would tell me, Vince, we're having co contract problems with Sid, blah, 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 blah. So then at that point, now I got to work around it. But, bro, if you ever saw anything like that, it was never a talent TV issue. It was always, always contract, bro. Okay, cool. Glad to have uncovered that mystery there because my friend Adam was also wondering about Yeah, because that. I love Sid. I mean, so yeah. it would not have been like, it would never have been me punishing, like never in a million years. I was the dude's biggest fan. So absolutely, bro, it, had, it, it, it was contract related. Okay, fair enough. And now another thing that I uncovered and look, Vince, there's a website called thesportster.com. It is one of the worst websites out there that they have people putting up these opinion pieces and they don't 
fact check things and they don't put things into the proper context. Like one guy made a, uh, a, a, a article about the fact that you uh, went home from WCW because they were upset that you want to tank Abbott to win the title. No, that was completely different. It was because they asked you to be a part of a committee. He left that out conveniently. But that's why I wanted to say that because this website uh, is full of shit. But they had a little article about 10 attitude error storylines that were never resolved. And I wanted to just give you the chance to just, because I think I know what the answer is here, to give a rebuttal to this one. Uh, King of the Ring 1999, Shane and Vince in a handicap ladder match with Stone Cold. Uh, you have to capture that briefcase, but every time Austin went for that briefcase, it kept being pulled away from his grasp anytime he would reach for it. They say that this is a, a storyline that was never resolved of who was pulling away the briefcase. Vince, I think you can put this pretty plain and simply who was it that was pulling away the briefcase? Gosh, bro, I wish I could remember. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I honestly don't remember, bro. Bro, I, I, I've written so people don't realize how much TV I wrote like over the years. Like I, I honestly don't remember, bro. I wish I could tell you the whole story behind that. I don't remember at all. My assumption, Vince, is is that. Vince owns the company, so he just probably would have paid off some backstage guy to do it for him. Bro, it could it's have not been that deep. It could have been Patterson. It could have been Briscoe. It could it could have been a number number of people. But something like that, bro. I think it's exactly what you said. Why is that important? Vince Vince owns the company. It could be the lighting guy. It could be a, a producer. It could be Jerry Briscoe. It could have been Jack Lonzo, one of the agents. Like, why, why is that important? He's the boss. So <laughs> the fact that that was never covered was because it was absolutely not important to the storyline. Absolutely. I don't know who they were hoping it was going to be, but, I, I you know, know, it was so unimportant to that story. I just wanted to just bring that up just so yeah. we could destroy it. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I want to ask this one because it's some big news recently now. Uh, <laughs> Tony Khan has bought Ring of Honor events. Um, and I don't know about you, but I don't understand how this is a game changer. Oh God, please. What are your thoughts on this being a my game th changer? My, my thoughts of ring of honor went out of business in December. Uh, okay. Period. End of story. He bought, he bought a company that was dead, bro. I'm going to tell you what's behind this. And he said it himself. Tony Khan, did you see, bro, I don't watch AEW because like I said to you earlier, I'm not going to waste two hours of my time. Yep. I'm not, my time's too valuable, but I saw the clip, bro. He specifically mentions for a reason subliminally. Oh no, I'm not Shane. This is not Shane, bro. In Tony's mind, he thinks he's, he, this is Vince McMahon buying WCW. <laughs> I'm bro. He said it for him to say that he honestly believes now he is at, he's at a level where this is WWE buying WCW. And if he didn't believe that, bro, he would have never made that comment. But, bro, you know what the funny thing is that I thought was hysterical today? And you probably don't even know this yet, but, bro, he went the whole week promoting the big announcement, the big announcement, the big announcement. Bro, do you know, uh, um, what is it, Dynamite? Yeah, Dynamite's ratings on Wednesday 
were lower than they were the week before. Lower, lower, bro. So I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, bro. Not only did you not draw new fans with this big announcement, but you actually lost them somehow. But, but bro, I'm telling you, in his mind, he's Vince McMahon, WWE, buying WCW. And when you look at them on a parallel Oh my God, bro. That, that, that is beyond hysterical, beyond hysterical. Yeah, I agree, Vince. And I didn't watch the clip because I just, I can't stand seeing him. Oh, talk but watch the, the clip. It's great. It's great. <sighs> bro. it's tremendous. It's tremendous. bro. I know sometimes it's like you want to see the train wreck. Uh, yes, because, you know, I do. I do. Yes. Sometimes it's just too cringy for me. No, like, my favorite. My The only part I like is Tony Khan <laughs> talking, bro. That That's the only part I like. <laughs> you know, if he really, because you know, everyone's going on about Ring of Honor being their new developmental territory. Oh. I think that they probably could have created their own one at a less uh, lesser of a what, price. What is that going to do anyway, bro? So, so, so what does that do? What does that do, bro? Because I'm seeing people on Twitter say things like this, Vince. Oh, that's why he's been signing so many people. It's been this great oh, big master God. plan. I'm like, are you oh, kidding yeah. me? Oh, There's no God. way. You're out of your and, goddamn and, and, mind. And, and, and God knows what he paid for it, bro. Oh, I, I would give anything to know how much he overpaid for this. I heard, I heard $40 million, but Bro, if, if I've heard be- that too, but if that's the truth, like, you got to be This is a company that went out of business, bro, yeah. in December. What is his dad thinking? I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to, to talk to you. Because you have seen some AEW. You don't watch it anymore, and that's fair yeah, enough. I, I haven't now. watched it, bro. Like, honestly, I, I watched the first 15 months. I have not okay. watched Dynamite in over a year. Okay, fair enough. But you still can understand uh, the way that Tony does his thing, I suppose. Yeah. On our channel, we reviewed 18 weeks worth of Dynamite and their pay-per-views, and then I tapped out. I couldn't do it anymore. I was getting that's too what mad. I did. Yeah. Didn't want my uh, blood pressure to be keep going up uh, every time I watch something. But I have to ask you this because I many times I've heard about your process of writing the shows with Ed Ferrara, your process of looking at minute-to-minute ratings, uh, standing in the crowd, listening to the people. You get it, okay? You, you are the uh, professional here. You are somebody very experienced. I need to know, as far as Tony Khan is concerned, a man with no creative writing experience, a man that's never done this before, what are his biggest flaws in writing of AEW television? He's not writing it. He's not writing it. Bro, when Dave Meltzer names him Booker of the Year, bro, let me let me explain to you the difference between a booker and a writer. They're two completely different things. A writer writes a television show, bro. It's got characters. It's got storylines. It's got a, a beginning, a middle, an end. And you thread it throughout the show. Like you said, bro, hooks going into commercials, cliffhangers. How do you come out of commercials? Where do you place things? There is an art to writing a television show. Here's what a booker does. A booker is, you know, in this case, a mark who literally is fantasy booking and putting together wrestlers that he wants to see wrestle each other. You see, bro, that that's ass backwards because here's what bookers do, bro. 
They get CM Punk and they get MJF. Oh, bro, if these guys got in a feud. Okay, bro, so you put them together. Now you've got to make up or come up with some kind of a story that makes sense. With the writer, it's the other way around, bro. With the writer, you start with the story. And the story then leads into the match. So Tony Khan, by no stretch of the imagination, is a writer. Tony Khan is a booker who books matches. Bro, nobody can tell me, I don't care if you're the biggest AEW fan in the world, nobody can tell me one single original story this guy has done since he bought the company. Every single angle he's done We've seen a hundred times before. And bro, let me tell you something. When me and Ed would write the show, we would say, nah, bro, we've seen that before. You know, Bruno and Koloff did that. We would say that, bro. If, if the wrestling fan saw it before, we were not going to repeat it. We were going to come up with new stories. He's just repeating stuff that's been done a million times before. Yeah, he never threads a story through the show. You, you, someone shows up once, you never see him again. Uh, right. There's no beginning, middle, and end. It's just, you know, block, block, block. And Vince, my biggest pet peeve right now in wrestling is someone is doing a backstage interview, and 10 seconds into that interview, someone walks in and interrupts Terrible, them. Bro. It is Terrible. so lazy, and they do it so all the lazy. time. I'm with you, bro. I agree a thousand percent, man. Even NXT do it. Uh, they do it all the time. It's like there's got to be other scenarios, please. There are, You've got a, whole mil- building there are a million other scenarios, bro. They're not thinking. They're just trying to get the show done. And another compliment I want to give you is walking around the arena and finding interesting places to do. Oh, I used to love that, bro. That, oh. that, that, that was that was my favorite part of the job. That was the first thing I did because every building was different and unique, bro. Mm. Bro, I don't, bro, I don't know if it's laziness. I don't know what it is because I'm not there. But to me, there's no excuse for it. And if you if you're not working for my time, I'm not gonna watch your freaking show. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever happened to the limo arriving to the arena and the guy getting out? There's little things, you know. As we head into commercial break, someone is walking down the corridor. He's headed to the ring. This is coming up next. I miss those things, and and that's what I've been watching lately. Is ninety nine two thousand as yeah. I always will. Um, okay. I wanted to also bring up um, <sighs> TNA. Uh, you had the ratings up to 2 million people. 2 million? Are you insane? On like, on Spike. On yeah, Spike. Yeah. yeah. To, to, to me, when I think about that and in today's environment with wrestling, I'm like, this, that was huge and no one really seems to talk about how big oh, they, that they, was. They talk about it, bro. They talk about what a failure I was. 2 million people on Spike and AEW is doing half of that. And, bro, people don't understand. I don't want to hear about all the other bullshit. Bro, we had all that other bullshit when TNA was doing was doing 2 million viewers. This, this wasn't 1980. 
This this was this was late to 2010. You know, th this was literally 10 years ago. You had the social media platforms, bro. You had all that other bullshit 10 years ago. This wasn't, you know, the, the attitude here, they could say, all right, that was 1999. Bro, this was 2010. Bro, this was 2012. This was 10 years ago. So now AEW is drawing half of that on a network twice the size, twice the size of Spike. And Tony Khan is this whatever, bro. That that that's revisionist history. That yeah. that that's what it's just like we we get on the news all day long. The way they want to slant it, what they want us to believe, and they're gonna tell us it over and over and over and over and over until we accept it. But it anyone can look at that's what I say all the time, bro. Look at the numbers, bro. The numbers are there. I don't care what you say. Look at the numbers. And that's the one thing that frustrates them more than anything. They can't change the numbers. They can't change the fact that TNA did 2 million people. They can't change that fact. Absolutely. And, you know, I always bring this up with an AEW fan. Uh, I can't help myself sometimes on Twitter, but they'll, they'll be talking about how great something is. And then I'll be like, do you know that WCW Thunder in 2000 drew uh, double the rating of, of this today? It's like, oh, but that was like so long ago and there weren't right. so many options of what to... And this is what led to this question here. Um, I love your thoughts on the excuses that come out every week when AEW's ratings go down, the excuse that people watch the show on their phone or that they DVR the show or there are way more options than there were in the 90s. I feel like if the show is good, people will sit there and watch it when it initially airs no matter what, no matter uh, if there's Monday 1, Night Football. Must see TV. Yep. I heard people say that, oh, the rating was low because uh, it was the season finale of Survivor. Survivor? Yes, That's such yeah. an old show, but is it really going to draw wrestling fans away from a wrestling show i don't know Vince. I for me bro, I, I was i was already saying before i just found the rating just came out this morning and this rating this week's rating was lower than last week and i already said i said on tuesday night dynamite airs on wednesday i said on tuesday Meltzer is gonna find some way to blame the president's state of the union on Tuesday, on AEW <laughs> shitty ratings on Wednesday. I, I said it, bro, before it even happened, bro. Bro, that's the thing. I don't understand the excuses. If they if they do a shitty rating, say, you know what, bro? We used to say, bro, when we used to do a shitty rating, you didn't make excuses. You analyze that show like, what the frick did we do wrong? What do we got to do different next week? We you, you think we made excuses with Vince McMahon if the rating? Well, are you nuts, bro? We, we analyzed where did we make mistakes in this show? We didn't make freaking excuses for it, bro. So do you think analyzing what may have gone wrong is better than, okay, um, I'm just going to say that there's a huge announcement to come. Which one would you prefer, Vince? Bro, you, <laughs> I, I don't, I just, I don't get the excuses, bro. Like if, if, if your show did a shitty rating, bro, it said it did a shitty rating. Say it did a shitty rating. Say we got to do better next week. But when you constantly are trying to spin it, you just look like an idiot. 
Good call, Vince. Um, we're, we're getting towards the last 20 minutes here of this interview, but one story I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, that I read in your book, Forgiven, right here, everyone, right here. Um, uh, there was a something that I haven't really heard you talk a lot about in shoot interviews. Maybe you haven't, I've just missed it, but Rope Opera, uh, Teresa Eady, uh, mm-hmm. Vince McMahon, getting his fingers uh, involved. I, can you please tell me a little bit about that situation? Because to me, I, I, I could see this kind of coming a mile away as soon as he started talking about it in the book. But can you please, for everyone out there, tell me the story. Yeah, no, bro. Wrestling was so hot. Hollywood was coming after us to do more things. So basically, um, you know, Teresa Eady, who was in the business, approached me. And, you know, she wanted me and Ed to write a pilot based on the wrestling business, a fictional pilot based on the business for Fox. I mean, this was a Fox deal. And, you know, they were going to pay us to write this pilot. I was very excited about this, bro, because, like, I wanted to, I, I, the wrestling bubble, bro, bro, you know, when you're a real writer, come on, bro, I, I got to do something else, you know? So I agreed to do it. Now, you got to understand, bro, I was never under contract with Vince McMahon, never had a contract with him. Uh, I would have written this on the side. It would have been a side project. So, you know, I agreed to do it. And then it got to the point where I had to tell Vince. And, you know, the first thing, you know, with Vince was like, this was going to become our project. I knew what that meant. And and I was not going to waste my time of Vince turning my show into what you're seeing on Raw today. So uh, he asked me to see it. And, and uh, I said, okay, no problem. So I, I show him the script, bro. I, I get it back from him in a couple of days. It's got all red X's and uh, screw this shit. And bro, that was like part of the reason where like, I, I, I need to get out of here. Like, screw this. I want to do this project. I, you know, and, and that, that, that was part of the reason, not the main part, but that was a part of the reason of why I left, bro. Cause I wanted to go write that pilot. Yeah, no, fair enough. And, you know, the, the, the show was so hot at the time, of course, that those people are going to be like, who are these guys? They got the surely they've got some talent to write other things other than right. a wrestling show. So that is a shame because I really, really would have loved to have seen what that might have became. But uh, it is what it is. Um, I wanted to ask you this question. Um, I wanted to bring it to Dave Meltzer because this is a real good source of entertainment. Um, I wanted to know from your perspective, what is the most ridiculous thing you have ever heard Dave Meltzer say? Oh God, bro. There's just, there's, there's just been so many, man. We do castrating the marks every week and there, there are at least eight Meltzer comments. I, I, I guess, I guess, I guess the thing that really made me laugh out loud, I'll never forget it, bro. After the highest rated segment in the history of wrestling This is your life, Mick Foley and The Rock. I'll never forget, bro. He said it was the worst thing he had ever seen on any wrestling show. And he even said he was not going to watch the WWE anymore. Meanwhile, bro, that did an 8.3. And what a moron. But that, that just goes to show Dave Meltzer, bro, you're not the average fan. 
you, 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 you do not like and appreciate what the casual wrestling television viewer likes and appreciates. I'll never forget that, bro, because when that number came out, he just made himself look like such an idiot. I just don't understand how a human being could not watch that and not be entertained by it. Bro, because I'll tell you why, man. I have found, bro, wrestling marks like that. And when when I say wrestling mark, bro, what I mean by that is you, you've crossed the line and you've become obsessed with wrestling. You 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 believe wrestling is real. You believe these guys are fighting for real. You have now become obsessed with it. But, bro, one thing that's really weird to me is wrestling marks uh bro they got no sense of humor yeah like everything is so serious and there's i, I don't get it i i just i i i love to laugh bro i take myself lightly i laugh in myself but bro they take stuff stuff so seriously i never got it yeah i i know what you mean because i know uh, kayfabe commentary sean Oliver tried to do a few roasts comedy roasts of wrestlers and no one in the crowd was laughing because they were like, oh, my gosh. And I'm just thinking, you guys just don't understand what a comedy roast is. No, no. Vince, I wanted to have the opportunity now because I think I do a pretty good Dave Meltzer impression. And I wanted to do an impression of Dave and one of the most ridiculous things that I think he's ever said. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so here we go. Uh, so, uh, well, uh, you know what, uh, Brian, uh, I'd have to say that, um, you know, this week when I watched New Japan, I mean, I saw this this promo that Tanahashi cut and and my God, I mean, I just thought to myself, wow, that was such a great promo. I mean, I did. I don't know what he said, but just the <laughs> just the cadence of the promo itself was just like just like, wow, you know, Brian, like definitely the promo of the week. What somewhat like that, bro? You gotta let the tongue spill out of the mouth, though. The tongue's gotta spill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tongue's gotta come out of the mouth a couple of times. His tongue's too big for his mouth, bro. He doesn't. He doesn't know what to do with it. So every every once in a while, he's gotta let it out of the cage. <laughs> that was good, uh, though. Very good. You liked very, it. Thank yes, you. I've been working. Nice. I've been working on it for quite some time, Vince. Very so. nice. Yes. <laughs> um, I wanted to actually kind of tell you a story uh, as we get in towards the end of this interview, Vince, because I kind of feel like this is an important story, um, as far as like it's concerned with with me as a fan and and people believing a narrative and then realizing later on, oh, wow, that you don't have to believe everything WWE says. So. Um, I was a massive fan of the Attitude Era. I was a massive fan of WCW uh, all up until, you know, it was all over. Um, but I believed the narrative in the mid-2000s. I believed that Vince McMahon was the filter. I believed that Vince Russo was this crazy guy with these crazy ideas. And this is a story I want to tell. So I'm a massive fan of kayfabe commentaries, and I always bought their stuff, and... Sean Oliver did a series called Guest Booker. And he did a guest booker with Jim Cornette doing the invasion angle. I watched it. And as I was watching it, I was excited because I'm a Jim Cornette fan. And then as it was wearing on, I was like, no, 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 no. It ended up being the following WrestleMania, the main event was going to be Dusty Rhodes versus Hulk Hogan in 2002. That's, and I was like, no, I can't believe that this ended up this way. Then I saw that there was one with you. And I was like, here we go. This will be funny. This is, let's see what this crazy guy comes up with. 
I start watching it, Vince. And it's the first part where you two are just talking about your philosophy and all that. And as it's wearing on, I'm like, this guy's charming. This guy's funny. Why, why, why does everyone say he's such a bad guy? He's so nice. He's so, you're making me cackle with laughter. I was like, this is a really nice guy. Anyway, you start booking the angle. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm imagining this whole thing taking place as you're laying it out to Sean. And Sean's trying to like, what about Arn Anderson? And you're like, we don't need these guys. We don't need these guys. You got these, these guys on TV right now. The rating's up to a 10.0 and you want to bring in Arn Anderson. That made me cackle with laughter. But <laughs> this, I, when you laid it out, and as I'm on the edge of my seat, I had this epiphany. Boom. I was like, oh my gosh, I've just realized that they're full of shit. And this guy was the real deal because he's just on a whim, just laid out this thing he probably thought about for a couple of days. No, and no, it was bro, what should have bro, been. Bro, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I swear to God, bro, that was off the top of my head. Oh right my there. God. Uh, there, there was no thinking about I don't I don't do that, bro. I you you see that on Russo's brand all the time. When I start talking about ideas, they're they're right here, bro. That was right off the top of my head. But bro, to, to me, there's the, and I appreciate that, bro. I really do, but to me, there's greater proof. And the greater proof is, bro, Vince McMahon's still with the company. Like, are you watching that show? Like, seriously, bro, he's still there. Like, th this is the guy that was editing me and was my filter. He's there on his own now. Are you looking at the show? I, I mean, bro, like, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, then you, you just got a narrative and you want to believe your narrative because it's all been laid out, bro. The proof has been laid out over the years. And if you still want to believe a certain way, then nothing is ever going to change your mind, bro. Absolutely. And wow, I can't believe that you just, but the thing is the angle that you came up with, like you said yourself, a 10 year old could come up with this. They know yeah. what should have happened yet. They yes. did it the completely wrong way. And I'm like, yes, yes. you're right, Vince. You're right. Yes. And yes. I'll it's, tell you it's what, not right. bro, it's not rocket science. I've said that a million times. I've never called myself a genius. It's not rocket science, bro. You wanted to start the angle off with Scott Hall, yet they started the angle off with Lance Storm. So let's yeah, just, yeah. Uh, no offense yeah. to Lance, my fan, but there's a big difference there. Um, I, last thing I want to say about my story, uh, I have a friend, Daniel, who is an avid Jim Cornette fan, who was avidly against you and i made him sit there and watch that with me and by the end of it he softened so much on you he was like wow that was actually really good so i'm telling you all out there get that guest booker by kayfabe commentaries with vince russo if you don't like what vince does or has done if you watch this you'll realize wow this guy's actually quite clever so just wanted to put that, that out there Thanks, you're welcome vince that. you're welcome vince uh that was like one of the main things because I, I don't know if I'll get the chance to talk to you again, but I wanted to make sure that I told you that story. I appreciate that. Because a few weeks later, I signed up to Pyro and Ballyhoo. I signed up to the brand when the brand came around. You know, I've been a solid supporter for some time. So thanks, man. Thanks. 
You're welcome. Um, okay, Vince, we're getting to the end of the interview here. I really appreciate your time. This has been an absolute joy for me, but we have one final segment and it's called Five Second Frenzy. You have five seconds to answer each question. Even if you break the five second rule, it's okay. Sometimes it takes a while to think of the answers, but we've got 12 questions for quick fire answers, if you can do it. First question, Vince Russo, who was your favorite wrestler of all time? I would have to say Randy Savage. Fantastic choice. I know you wrestled 12 matches in your time in wrestling. Who would you say out of those 12 was your favorite opponent? Oh my God. Oh my God. 12 matches. What was my record? Um, I can quickly look that up while you think 12, 12. Matt, who is my favorite opponent? Well, Bro, you know, I mean, my God, bro, getting to do stuff in the ring with like Dusty and Ric Flair was like just ridiculous. <laughs> like, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous, bro. So I, I would have to say just working with those two freaking giants was uh, you, you can't get better than that, bro. Uh, you had seven wins. Two losses and three no contests. <laughs> bad record, bro. Seven, not two, bad. and three. Not bad at all. Yes. Oh, that's unbelievable. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so in those 12 matches, I have to ask you again, which one of them was the favorite one that you were a part of? I would say, bro, like the the steel cage thing with Flair was a pretty big deal. And, bro, I got concussed very early in that match, bro, very early. And, and getting concussed and then having to climb to the top of that cage, that, that I mean, come on, bro, it don't get better than that. A cage match with Ric Flair, I mean, come on, it, it, it could never get better than that. <laughs> When you say that, does do you feel like I can't believe that actually happened? But I yeah, I can't. I mean, I I really I can't. I can't. You know, and bro, it was in Atlanta. I was living in Atlanta. My mother was there. You know, so no, I can't. I can't believe that actually happened, bro. <laughs> Fantastic. And I gotta tell you, bro. I gotta tell you, I I I think I've I I've went back and looked at that match one time. And bro, here's all I was concerned about. This is all I cared about, bro. Vince. You can't make Grick look bad. You can't make him look bad. You that's all I cared about. And bro, I don't I don't think I made him look bad. No, you look made him look like he was pretty pretty mad. So yeah, uh, yeah. He, he beat on you pretty good. Um yeah. Vince finally away from wrestling now here on five second frenzy. Favorite book. Oh god, bro. I hate to read. I hate to read, bro. <laughs> um oh my god, bro. I, bro, honestly, I don't have one. I hate read. I can't. I can't sit in one place for a long period of time, bro. That that's why I absolutely hate reading. Vince, can I make a suggestion? Yeah, the Bible. Yeah, the I was gonna say the Bible, and I I could even break it down. And and my favorite chapter is James in the Bible, and I do read that like over and over and over again. So I would narrow it down even to James in the Bible. Very cool. Uh, favorite TV show? I know this is going to be tough for you. It, it ain't. It ain't going to be tough, bro. No? Well, because well, current or all time or what? It's supposed to be all time. Ah, oh, bro, that's going to be tough because I could tell you right now, bro. 
if you would have, bro, you don't know how long people were telling me to watch Tombstone. And I was like, bro, I, the, the, my, my least favorite genre, I'm going to watch a Western. Like, bro, I got no, in, no, I got no interest. Finally, bro, it was so overwhelming that I started watching it. Oh, my, you, bro, you talk about characters. Yeah. You talk about, oh, my God, this is a masterpiece. But, bro, I, I guess if I had to, if I had to say all time, Bro, I might have to go back to the original 39 episodes of The Honeymooners, bro. I I I bro, I've got I've got Ralph Cramden tattooed on my arm. I mean, what else more do you want? I know every episode backwards and forwards. I still watch them to this day. And what was that? 50 58, I think, bro. I'd have to say that's it. Excellent. And that was so simple, bro. So what a simple series, bro. Excellent. Look, Vince, I, I, over the years of watching you I, and, and watching your writing, I know that you and I have the same taste in music and in TV shows because of the amount of Kiss and Seinfeld references that I saw in people's promos, in stories. Right, I mean, right. you know, the powers that be, that's Steinbrenner right there. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, uh, next one, Vince, favorite film. Oh, without a doubt, Saturday Night Fever. Excellent, excellent. That was that was my that was how we grew up. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Favorite musical artist, artist or band? Artist, both. Artist or band? I I I have to say the Beatles, without a doubt, bro. I got them tattooed on my on my arm too. There, uh, yeah, the, the Beatles, bro, with, without a doubt. No, nobody, I love music, bro, but they're far and away my favorite. Excellent, Vince. And yes, we have the same taste in music because I love Journey. I love Kiss. I, I love all the stuff that you- I like. was just watching Journey in concert this morning from Tokyo. I was just watching it on YouTube this morning, bro. That's <laughs> 6.45 awesome. in the morning, bro. <laughs> Good way to start the day. Uh, yeah. Getting away from the arts now, Vince, a couple more to go. Favorite food? Wow, that's that's- that's tough, bro. I like uh, I I I uh, I like pizza. I like pizza a lot. You can't eat it that much though, bro, because it'll kill you. But I do like pizza. Yeah, I think pizza is probably the most popular answer on the show. Um, speaking of food, though, the next one: favorite place to eat on the road. Bro, you know what was the uh, favorite place? Because it was quick, it was easy, and we used to go there all the time. And especially in Orlando, it was right across the street from Universal Studios. Well, I, I used to, me me and Terry Taylor uh, had many, many, many a great meal at Waffle House. Waffle House is the old go-to. Bro, I love breakfast. I could eat breakfast any time of the day. So, you know, it used to be a treat to, to be able to go to Waffle House on the road. Excellent. That is definitely the number one answer. If this were Family Feud, that's the number one answer. Three, <laughs> three to go, Vince. I know that you're not a drinker. Um, so I'm just going to ask you what your favorite beverage is. What, what's something that Vince would go for when you're, you're a bit thirsty? Yeah, Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Yeah, I got, I got to be careful with that because it's almost addictive. So like I, I'll only I'll really try to limit myself to like no more than two a day. But like I, I do like Coke Zero. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. That that first sip when you first crack the can, ah, oh, nothing yeah. beats it. Uh, yeah. Second last one, Vince. This is the naughtiest one of Five Second Frenzy. Favorite female body part? You see a good-looking lady. What does Vince Russo's eyes like to go toward first? Bro, I gotta be honest with you. Like, I'm, I'm no doubt about it. I'm, I'm a breast guy. There's no doubt about it. But I, 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 to be honest with you, bro, I think my eyes go to the face first. I think, I, I think I'm attracted by looks first. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I really am. Yeah, yeah I, no. I love seeing a beautiful. When I, when I, when I say a beautiful woman, it usually means this. Absolutely. We, we get eyes a lot on the show, uh, but yeah. face is also very popular. I think uh, like one thing, like, and I don't like, I don't look at her body like that, but like um, um, Maurice, I think she is a beautiful woman. She has a beautiful face. And I mean, bro, she's got a ridiculous body, but when I look at her, her, her face is just beautiful. Absolutely. I don't think if I ever met her, I don't think I could like look at her for too long. Bro, that's how it was with me and Sable. Bro, I was like that with Sable. Like, (laughs) like when I when I first met her, her eye, you talk about eyes. When I first met her, bro, like, you know, I I don't know how well you know, the honeymoon is but when like Ralph Cramden didn't know what to say, he always used to go hum, the hum, the hum, the hum, the hum, the hum. (laughs) When, When I when I was first around Sable, that's how I was. She had this bro just exotic this exotic beauty, bro, that, and like I said, again, another one with a ridiculous body, but I I wasn't drawn to that. She had this exotic beauty, bro. Absolutely, Vince. One of my first ever crushes, her picture was on my wall and everything, um, as it should be. Uh, Vince, this is the last question. I know you don't curse very much, but the, the question is your favorite curse word. It, bro, I, 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 I like telling people to eat me, you know, it's not a curse <laughs> word, but I, I, I prefer eat me or bite me over the F word or in any other cuss word I could come up with. I, I, I do prefer the eat, eat me. I, I eat me seems to come out of my mouth the most natural. <laughs> that is a fantastic answer, Vince. Well, Vince, uh, my face is hurting from laughter. Thank you so much for your time on this show. It has meant so much to me because, you know, as I said before, you wrote this show back in the day. This is the only time I really was like super invested in it. I did like it for a few years afterward because they kept on using the way that you wrote the show with Crash TV. Bro, but- it's so funny because I'll, I'll never forget in my last <laughs> conversation with Vince when I left. I, I told him, bro, my exact words to him was because I we left in, I think, late September 99. Bro, yep. look at the numbers. You can look at the numbers. I said to Vince when I left in late September 99, I said, Vince, you have one year to ride the wave. Yeah, You don't have to do anything, bro. Everything is in place. The show can write itself. You've got a year. Bro, look at what happened to the numbers after September 2000. We we were gone for a year. Look what happened from that point going forward. And I say this all the time, bro. This isn't about Vince Russo. 
you know, the greatness of Vince Russo at Ferrara. I say this all the time. The wrestling business died in 2000 because that's when the writers left. That's when the writers left and it be it went from a television show to a wrestling show. And that's when you lost all the casual viewers. Absolutely, Vince. Thank you for that extra bit of information. All of you out there, you know where it's at right now. Thank you, Vince Russo, so much for for being, you know, this is the, like, my, my most anticipated interview. I have been so enthralled and, and happy to have the chance to connect with you. Uh, everything that you've done in the wrestling business means a hell of a lot to me. So all the way from the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, you have a massive fan right here who has supported you through the years. Yes. And it means the world to me that I got the chance to talk to you here today, sir. Yeah, it was great, bro. I enjoyed it. Uh, you're a you're a great interviewer. I had a lot of fun. And yeah, I just want to tell people, man, just check out Russo'sbrand.com because bro, like I, you know, I I I'll be honest with you, man. I paid a lot of money to be behind a paid wall so we can say whatever we want to say. Bro, I'm not gonna be canceled, I'm not gonna be check marked. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be shadow banned. So that's what you're going to get with Russo'sbrand.com. You are just going to get the truth. If I couldn't tell the truth, bro, I would not be a podcaster. Absolutely. Everyone check out Russo'sbrand.com. Also channel attitude. Just, just seek it out, find it, support Vince, because it's not just Vince and it's not just his show. There are so many shows on that yeah. platform, so many great people, um, and, and they deserve to be supported with what they do. Vince, thank you again. All right. Thank you very much, California. Good luck with everything you do, my friend. Thank you, bro. And thank you, everyone out there, for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm California. This is Vince Russo, and we will see you down the road. Thank you.